2018 was an incredible year for us as a church. We grew here in this building, and we have been encouraged to see not just the growth that we've seen on Sunday morning, but the growth in small groups. Uh, that's really how we gauge health is, as far as how people are living in community with each other. Uh, we've said it from the very beginning, we want to be a church that gathers well and a church that scatters well. And we feel like 2018 was a year where folks really scattered well. We still are close to that 60% of you are, uh, that come on Sundays are still in, are in gospel community, and we're excited about that. We hope to, we hope to get that up to 75 uh, in the next year or so, and so we'd love to see you in one of those. We want to see you in a small group, uh, not so that we can count it off as a number, but because we really want to love you. We really want to know you. We really want to care for you. We want to care for your family. Uh, here at Integrity, we say discipleship happens in community. And so if we want to see you grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you need to be in community with other believers, and we believe that's just uh, not just a conviction that we have as a church, but that's a biblical conviction. It's a biblical truth. And so we saw growth in that. Um, not only did we see growth numerically, new people coming, new faces, new people living in community, but we also grew up in our generosity. Uh, at the beginning of the year, we told you that, hey, we have to leave this building and we have to move on to another building. And so we began to pray and ask the Lord uh, what he would have for us in that. And as the elders prayed, and as we sought and looked for a lot of different places, we found a place in Winterville, uh, 569 Irish Lane. And we purchased that property in April of 2018. And not only that, but we saw the generosity from you that we raised over $700,000 of pledges. And so we're super excited about that for our younger congregation. Uh, that's, an, that's an amazing number. And not only that, but our general uh, operation budget uh, went up tremendously. And so you've been generous. And, and here's the thing about that, all right? As you hear good numbers and hear good things happening, the reality is we've kind of never grown up in that area of our church, to be honest with you, until recently. We're starting to grow in that area of our church. And here's why. We've been a church that has been mobile since 2009. We met in 2007 to 2009 as like a smaller group, and then we launched officially in 2009. And we launched at Walcoats Elementary, then we moved to City Hotel and Bistro. And so here, here's what that was kind of like. It's kind of like living with your parents. Like you don't have any responsibilities or major, we didn't have any, no debt or anything like that. Um, and then what happened in, when 2016, uh, uh, we moved here in this location. And this location's like, okay, we've moved out of our parents' house and now we have a roommate, right? And that roommate is JP2, right? Now, as you have roommates, you still need to grow up, right? And so we've prayed and asked the Lord, what does that mean? So that means now we are going to grow up and we're going to have like our own place, okay? And with our own place becomes our own responsibilities. And so with our own responsibilities, that comes people who are generous. And, uh, and so as the Lord has matured us in that area, we hope that he continues to mature us in that area of generosity. And so if you have given to the Gospel Legacy Campaign, we're thankful for that. If you haven't, man, we want to encourage you uh, to mature in that way. So 2018 was an incredible year. We saw growth in uh, people coming and, and living in community. We saw growth in uh, generosity. And, and I'm just so, just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I'm so thankful for that in our church. But 2019, our hope is to now as we think about all the different things that we've been through. We, we started in 2018 with 
the, the idea of what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to, to be, a, a, what is the mark of a, a disciple? And then we moved on to a short series in Revelation. We did Revelation 1, 2, 3. We did First uh, Peter. We did um, a, a short series on gospel community. We did Philippians. We did Life of David. We ended last year with Life of David. And um, we've really seen God grow our church in disciples. And so what does that mean moving forward? Uh, what does that mean as we move into a, a new space? Well, our hope in 2019 is that we would better equip our people uh, for mission. And I don't know what this move means for us in the coming months as we move and transition to a new space. What does this mean as far as growth? Well, I know that we're going to grow, and here's why. Because there's just so many pregnant women in our church right now. So I know that we're going to at least grow by that, okay? But if we grow beyond just babies, all right, which need the gospel, and then, you know, we need to disciple them too, right? But if we grow beyond that, like when they're old enough, okay, um, when they grow beyond that, um, what does that mean for us? Does that mean that we've reached some kind of pinnacle of our church? No, we need to disciple new people. We need to equip new people, and so what does this mean with, with everyone who's here right now? Well, it means that we have to be on board with equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. We have to be on board with how are we going to better shepherd new people coming in? How are we going to better bring them into gospel community, allow them to grow in their faith, allow them to be restored to the gospel, restored to their family, restored to the city? How are we going to do that? And so we have to be intentional of how we equipped believers for the gospel. Because here's the thing, we don't want to just grow uh, wide, we want to grow deep. We want to grow deep and wide. The last thing we want is a church that's a a mile wide and an inch deep. Uh, We want to continue to grow people deeper in the gospel. And so part of that is going to be us growing our members and people that call Integrity Church home deeper in the gospel so that you can be better equipped, men and women can be better equipped to disciple other people. Because if we don't, we're just going to become a revolving door and we get new people, and then they'll, they won't be discipled and won't be equipped, and then they'll go somewhere else. Or they'll fall off the wayside. And that's the last thing that we would want to see happen. And not only do we want to grow this church in the gospel, but we also want to be a sending church. We want to continue to send out new church planners and missionaries for the sake of the gospel. Uh, we want to mature, and we say we want to multiply to leave a, a gospel legacy. And so um, the focus of 2019 for us is going to be equipping. And this is really nothing new. It's nothing that's uh, different than what we've already said our mission is. Our mission as a church is to mature and multiply believers to leave a gospel legacy. But equipping is really focusing on uh, refining what it means to mature and multiply. So where do we get this idea of equipping? Where do we get this idea of maturing and multiplying? Well, this idea of maturing and multiplying, again, is nothing, even though it's a pithy statement that we use as a church, it's really nothing foreign to Scripture. In fact, it's pretty clear in, in, in Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is leading a church that was blowing up numerically. And Paul wasn't really interested in saying, okay, we've got a, we've got a large church that's impacting the whole region of Asia, and like, like it says in, in Luke's gospel, or in Acts, rather, Paul says, we need to focus on maturing people and equipping them. The the church of Ephesus had a major problem. It had Jews and Greeks in the church, and they were trying to figure out, how do we live among one another? 
how do we figure out all of our differences? It's kind of like people from the western part of the state moving to eastern North Carolina. We meet in the middle. Okay, what's, kind, what's the best kind of barbecue? And we all say vinegar-based, right? Who do we go for? Do we go for Duke or Carolina? Maybe there's a weird Wake fan in there. I mean, who do we go for? An NC State fan, right? What do we do with that? You know, so how do we, how do we all get along? And Paul is bringing these two cultural differences together. He's bringing the differences of the Jews and the Gentiles together. And he does so by reminding them first and foremost of the gospel. He's saying, hey, none of us belong to be here. We're all, as Paul says in Ephesians, he says that we're all dead in our sins, that we're dead in our trespasses. We all, before the foundation of the world, if you're a believer in Christ, you all had to be chosen. And then as God chooses you, he also shows you his redemptive work in Christ. And then if you realize that you're brokenness and you realize that you're deadness and then you look to him as your savior, then he saves you based on his love and his grace and his mercy. And that's all because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. So believing, repenting of our sins and believing in the gospel is, is a truth that brings us all together. That's why the church can be such a beautiful thing where you can see people from all walks of life and all different backgrounds and all different economical backgrounds. He can bring us all together to be one family. And the reason for that is because of the gospel. That's how Paul starts Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. He says, uh, Ephesians chapters 1, 2, and 3, he begins saying, okay, this is the gospel. This is what we belong to. This is who Christ is, and this is what the church is. So then in chapter 4, he transitions, and he begins to tell the church, okay, because you understand the gospel, this is how now you live among one another. And he says, he tells them at the very beginning to walk in a manner that's worthy of the gospel, which is really to be the church. So, we, so we'll pick up in verse 11, Ephesians 4. He says, And he, meaning Jesus, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, he says, to equip the who? Saints. For the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, this here is where we get the conviction of maturing and multiplying. Because what does Paul say that the goal of the ministers of the gospel to do? He says, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. In other words, it's not just the pastor's role to preach the gospel, but it's also the member's role to preach the gospel. You see that? So in other words, what what I often grew up with was like, okay, if you want to share the gospel, hey, let's make sure that everyone comes on Easter Sunday, because on Easter Sunday, pastor such and such is going to share the gospel, and then this is our chance to invite our neighbors, because they'll get to hear the gospel. And so the the idea of the church that I grew up with was sort of like this, this come and see. If you want to hear the gospel, it's taught here. But the problem with that is, it's not what Paul says here. Paul says the, the, the goal of The pastors and the leaders of the flock are to teach the people, the saints, the believers, those who understand the gospel, to then live out the gospel where they live, work, and play. So my goal for you wouldn't be, hey, tell your coworker to come here because they'll hear the gospel. They will hear the gospel if they come here. However, I want to be able to train you, and the elders of the church want to be able to train you to be able to share the gospel with your neighbors and your coworkers and your family members. That's what the church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be the saints being equipped to then be the sent people of God wherever they go. It's God's people. Are you tracking with that this morning? 
It's exactly what Jesus says to his disciples. Matthew 28, very familiar place in scripture. We'll have it up on the screen. Matthew 28 is a place where Jesus, he dies on the cross. He resurrects from the grave, conquering the penalty of Satan's sin and death. And before he ascends to heaven, he's with his disciples for 40 days. And he tells them, what does it mean now to be a part of the kingdom of God? Well, he says it. Verse 19, Matthew 28. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the ends of the age. Now, this is good news because what Jesus is saying is, hey, I'm going to give you your, the Spirit of God to be on mission. I'm going to be with you always. I'm going to give you the spirit to be on mission. And then he's saying, I want you to basically make disciples of all nations. So Jesus is like, what you are, you're a disciple. Now go make other disciples of all nations. So what we see in the New Testament from Jesus on all throughout the early church is disciples making disciples. It's a movement of disciple makers. And it's Paul's just saying the same thing that Jesus said. Equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Go make more disciples. And notice that it isn't just a flippant disciple. Okay, well, they know who Jesus is, and they can, they can sing a couple of songs, and they know how to maybe read a couple verses. No, no, no. It's a type of disciple that Paul is advocating. Look in verse 13. Equip the saints for the work of the ministry, Verse 13, he says, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood or womanhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What is Paul saying that the the kind of disciple that needs to be raised up? He says, a mature one. What is a mature one? Well, it's this endless goal to know Christ, to know the Lord. I don't know if you understand this, but being a disciple is something that you will never arrive at. You never say, okay, I've I've come to, I'll read verse 13 again, until we all attain the unity of the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. Anyone there? Anyone's like, man, I have come to the full knowledge of the Son of God. If you are, you should be up here, right? I certainly shouldn't be up here. I don't have the full knowledge of the Son of God. So I'm still a disciple. I'm still trying to grow as a disciple. Kurt Birch, who unfortunately won't be here this morning. He's not feeling well. Kurt Birch is one of the oldest members of our church. He's one of our elders. He knows sound theology. He's grounded biblically. But guess what? Kurt Birch is still a disciple. And he will be until he sees Christ. I will be until I see Christ. You will be when you see Christ. So guess what? With discipleship, there is no end function. It's this endless desire. It's this endless passion to know Christ and allow the gospel to continue to shape your life and to make you into more of a mature man or woman in Christ. And we say it this way at Integrity. This is why you you need to know the Lord. It's because it changes the way that you think about everything else. We say that, Uh, What you believe about God is the most important thing about you. So knowing Christ and growing as as a disciple is this endless pursuit 
of knowing him. So what does this endless pursuit of knowing Christ look like? Well, first of all, we could say it's called maturity, growing in maturity. But notice verse 14. He says, so that we are, may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Notice what he says. He says they're not children tossed to and fro. They're maturing. They're stable. They're grounded in their faith. I don't know if you've ever been to uh, Great Wolf Lodge, but um, I took my boys a, a few years ago, and at this point, Gideon was... He's seven years old now, but he was kind of too young to go into, like, the big boy pool. So, like, we had to make, like, switches. So I would be with Gideon one day. Not, like, switches to spank them, but, like, we would switch, right? Um, I want to clarify. Um, and, and so, like, we had to switch between parents, like, who's going to watch Finn? Because Finn wants to do all the high dot, like, all the big slides and all the big, you know, all, all the big stuff. And then um, Gideon wants, he has to stay sort of in the kiddie pool. And so we would alternate. And so I remember, like, I spent, like, a few hours with Gideon just in this kiddie pool section. And it's really warm in there, all right, um, for bad reasons, right? And I remember, like, I'm, I'm playing with him in the kiddie pool, and we're just into it. And I look up, and, like, no other adult is in the kiddie pool. All the moms are sitting around on their phones, Right? And, like, I, I remember laying there, and I, me- I remember thinking, and I looked up, and I see all these people above me, like, on these slides, and I'm like, I look really creepy right now, right? I don't belong here. Like, I remember just getting out, and just like, okay, buddy, you know, just be careful, right? Because I don't belong there. Now, what that is, really, is a, is a picture of what I often see in the church. It's people that have been a part of the church for their whole life and they don't know God's word and they don't know the gospel and they don't know how to disciple people. Maybe they've never even discipled anyone. Maybe they just come and this is what they attend and they're just staying in the kiddie pool forever. Isn't that sad? And what happens when a trial inevitably comes, there, as Paul says, they're tossed to and fro. They, they don't know how to handle it because they don't have any grounding, because they're not mature. And Paul is saying, you need sound doctrine because what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. It shapes everything in your life. He doesn't want us to, to remain in the kiddie pool. He wants us to grow up. He wants us to mature. And not only that, but look at verse 15. Rather, he says, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Now, oftentimes we think about maturity, maturing in Christ. It means, well, I've got to know a lot of Bible verses. I've got to know how to explain systematic theology. I've got to be really heady or academic in my approach to God because that's maturity. If I can understand the deeper things of God, then I'm mature. But no, Paul says, actually, it's just growing in love. It's having sound doctrine, but it's also growing in love. He says, speaking the truth in love. That's a sign of maturity. So how are you loving 
one another? How are we loving other believers? Paul says it elsewhere in Galatians. He says that we should bear one another's burdens to fulfill the law of Christ. So what does it mean to understand the gospel? What does it mean to obey Christ and live? He says, bear one another's burdens, love one another, speak the truth of love, build up other believers with your words and with your actions. And not only that, he says, in verse 16, he says, from the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Friends, we could grow a church in a lot of different ways. You can grow it based on programs. You can grow it just on a Sunday morning gathering. But biblically speaking, we should be growing the church up in love. And part of it growing the church up in love is equipping believers to be able to do that. And so if there's anything that we want to do as elders, as we love and serve you, is to equip you in such a way that we learn to have sound doctrine, that we know our Lord. And not only that, but we learn what it means to love each other. Because even though we'll move into a beautiful building, Lord willing, the most beautiful thing about our church is always going to be us and how we love one another and then how we love those who the Lord might bring, how we care for them, how we carry their burdens, how we pray for them, how we confess sin to one another, how we weep with those who weep and mourn with those who mourn, how we rejoice with those who rejoice. These are all biblical truths that God wants us to experience as believers, and he calls it the church. And the church is God's plan A. It's it's what God designed to do for his people. He wants his people to be a part of, of the church because he wants his people to experience this type of love here on earth so that the gospel will continue to go forward. And so, friends, I just want to tell you on behalf of this elder team, we love you. We love you, and we also love one another. And our elders are some of my dearest friends, our families. We get together often. We pray for you often. We get together every other week, and we talk about things that are happening in the life of the church so that we can better care for and love you. And I'm just going to tell you, I love these men that I get to pastor alongside of, and I'm thankful for each of them. And so this morning, I want to tell you this morning how much, first of all, integrity means to me, and I want you to hear from these elders about how much integrity means to them and what they hope to see and how we equipped uh, you moving forward. Uh, For me personally, um, integrity for me is like my family. Um, I, I have a family of my own, but this church, I have deeper connections and relationships with the saints, the believers here, than I do with anyone in my own family. If I have a trial or a difficulty in my life that I want to talk through, a marital issue, a parenting issue, a discipleship issue, a sin issue, a heart issue, I call people here first because these are the people that I'm doing life with. These are the people that I'm in community with. And so I'm going to tell you, like me personally, like I need you to mature in Christ. My boys need you to mature in Christ. 
as my boys look for future mentors when dad becomes lame, right? They want to look at examples. My wife needs you. My wife needs others, sisters in Christ who are growing in the gospel. So we need you. We love you. And I want to tell you that this is my home. This is my community. And I'm excited to move forward as we mature and multiply believers together. I want you to hear from one of our pastors, Hal Holloman, and then Josh Harris is going to come up as well. Love you. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Um, and thank you for your faithfulness. You know, when we were talking about sharing, the pastor sharing uh, a little something, sort of part of our testimony of how God has used Integrity Church, God has used his local church to equip us personally. Um, I was thinking about how much of an impact, how faithful you've been in, in teaching and preaching faithfully for, for such a long time. So praise God for that. Thank you for that. Um, so our, my name's Hal Holloman, and um, I'm married to Blair Holloman, and we have four kids. We call ourselves the Holloman Hurricane. And um, when we first came to Integrity Church, it was September of 2012. And um, we, we, today, looking back on it, I can say for sure that my soul needed and still needs a gospel-centered community. I didn't know it at the time, but, I, but over time, coming, gathering on Sundays and hearing expositional preaching, going through books of the Bible, God used that to equip me as a man. God used that to convict me in, in, in showing me how passive I am, how, how yes, I grew up in church. Um, I thought that, oh, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm mature, you know, I'm, I'm 42. At the time I was 42, the kids were I won't tell my wife's age, but um, the kids at the time were 14, 12, 10, and 8. So over the last six years, what God has done in my personal life to, to equip me through good expositional teaching, he's, he's shown me that he's sovereign. He's shown through sound teaching, sound doctrine, that he's sovereign. He's shown me that I did nothing toward my salvation. He did it all. I had nothing to do with it. He, he's used expositional teaching to show me how much he loves us, how much he loves his people. He showed, when we went back in, I can't remember, maybe this was 2013, but we went through the book of Judges. And I know some of you might think, if you weren't here, Judges? Oh, Judges, that doesn't sound fun. But it's all pointing to a true and better judge in Christ. And everything, that all of the teaching is so sound and the theology is so sound. And, and practically, what that's done to equip me as a man, it's revealed my passivity when it comes to marriage. It's revealed, it's revealed my passivity when it comes to parenting. I kind of thought, oh, okay, you know, I, I, I talked to Ben and I was thinking about, okay, well, what about a youth program? And, what, and I, I, re, I left that conversation and he didn't say anything super convicting or meaningful, but I left and felt convicted that my primary responsibility is to minister, to be equipped to minister to my wife well and to parent and father our children well and to disciple them is my primary ministry. And it's not something that I, that should be outsourced. Sure, absolutely, 
We need gospel-centered community. As Ben just shared, we need gospel-centered community to grow as a man, for my wife to grow with other sisters in the church, for our children. As he said, when dads become dad, what you know, daddy dance or dad jokes or what, when we become lame, we need other men for our boys and, and other women for our daughters to look up to. Um, so let me get back on script. So, um, so God's used ex- to, to equip me through sound teaching. He's used expositional preaching. Um, he's used small groups. When the Holloman hurricane blew into small group for the first time, Blair and I, I can remember, Blair and I were thinking, okay, we are a diverse family from age 42 to eight at the time. And we were walking into a small group. And what, what's this going to look like? We're going to hit the, the DJ McCurry and Brian Bender, which uh, I think the, the campus outreach folks are in Beaumont now. We blew into that house um, and we were warmly welcomed by college students and young married couples. And it was amazing to experience the fun and the fellowship and, and honestly, genuine gospel-centered community where we were sharing sin together and we were repenting of that sin and praying for each other and encouraging each other. And our kids at the time, I, I, <clears throat> I remember that they would turn and listen to these college students and these high school students and these young married couples, these young folks, these believers who were sharing their sin struggles. And they were just tuning into that and seeing that authenticity and that love for each other and praying for each other and that love that Ben was talking about. And so they were so encouraged and that encouraged me and God used that to equip me. Um, Okay, so God's also used discipleship relationships. And, and, you know, prior to coming to integrity, I was, praise God, I was in discipleship relationships that were like accountability relationships and how's your week going and how are things going and how's work and how's marriage and things like that. And I'd say that God's used the sound teaching and the expositional preaching on Sundays to encourage me and convict me to be in lives and the lives and share in the lives of other men and I don't do this perfectly if we've met at times you know we'll start maybe in a book of the bible maybe first john or maybe colossians or maybe romans or john or whatever and we'll start that and we'll say hey let's work through this book of the bible and we'll get through it and then we'll start talking about life and then we'll start talking about if if you're a single guy and we've been in group we we talk about work and we talk about passivity if you're a a uh, married man, we'll talk about passivity and we'll talk about pursuing your wife and being an um, encouraging father and an encouraging husband. So, but discipleship, God's used discipleship relationships to equip me as well because I'll share my sin struggles. I'll share with, with Ben and with other men and Joshua and Kirk and other men about my struggles and they'll share what they've learned, and so it becomes um, mutual discipleship, God using gospel-centered community to equip his people, to equip the saints. It's, it's very humbling. I think that a lot of times the, the word maturing or, or maturity sounds like, oh, okay, well, you've earned another badge. You've, earned, you've, you've reached a certain status, and I think that that's within the body, within believers, I think maturity looks different than that. It looks it, it looks more like you you start to realize that God is sovereign and you're not. 
He's sovereign over, over your life. And so the more you learn about the true nature of God, the more that reveals, oh, wow, we become, we become more humble and, and less arrogant and less prideful. And, and you can't do that in isolation. And that's how God's, praise God, and I give him all the glory for the work he's done in my life um, since I've been at Integrity. So I'm going to pass it on to Joshua. I'm uh, <clears throat> Joshua Harris, technically. Most people call me Josh. Uh, either one's fine. Um, I am born and raised here in Greenville. I've lived here my whole life um, and very thankful to be here. Uh, and trying to think about what I can share is how, and how integrity in the local church has affected me and how they have equipped me and my family. Uh, there is just a lot of things to choose from. Um, integrity has helped my family immensely in many different situations, but I do want to just narrow it down and share just a few. I can remember uh, back when we first came to Integrity, <clears throat> not knowing at the time, uh, but at the time we were, my family was pretty broken. Uh, our marriage wasn't super solid. Uh, me personally, I was very arrogant. I was very prideful. I thought that maturity was a destination, and I thought that I had arrived at that destination in my early 20s. I thought that I knew everything that needed to be known. I was a product of some of the average local fundamental churches around here. I had learned to be a Pharisee of the Pharisees, as Paul says. I just knew how to live life the right way. However, and in my heart and in my private life, I knew that I was struggling. I knew that I was failing. I knew that I was not pleasing God with the way that I lived. However, I just knew how to put on a mask and live a certain way and give off the right appearance. But... I wasn't feeling whole. I knew that there was something wrong. I knew I wasn't doing this thing right. I knew I was failing. I just didn't know how to fix it. And in my life, I had been trained, I had been groomed early on that if you have problems with your life, fix it. It's up to you to make decisions, to make the right choices, to fix everything and make everything correct, or at least appear correct. So that's what I sought to do. So early on, I learned a lot about what it meant to live by the law. And what it meant to live in a way that separated myself from everybody else, uh, to ostracize myself what I was actually doing, to the point where no one wanted to be around me. I was just uncomfortable and arrogant, and uh, no one was even willing to tell me that, except for one person. Most people just kind of endured being around me uh, until finally I had someone step in and say, hey, you know, you're kind of a legalist. I was like, no, they're back in the Old, the Old Testament. They don't happen anymore. And it was like, no, you are. You were really a legalist. And he started to challenge me on some of the things that I, how I lived and what I believed. And I remember kind of going into this uh, swirl of like, man, well, what if he's right? Or what if what I believe isn't true? What if I've been told my whole life isn't the truth? So it took me a while to try to process through these things, begin to work through. And uh, we ended up arriving here at Integrity on uh, a Sunday morning in July. <clears throat> I had worked early that morning. We weren't able to make our regular church, so we decided we were just going to try Integrity out this one Sunday. And we walked in, and we saw Ben. We were like, oh, I'm not sure if this is going to work. And uh, he just wasn't what we were used to seeing up on stage. There was a little bit more equipment on stage than we were used to seeing, so we were a little skeptical. But it was like, you know what, it's just one Sunday. We can endure. And I remember uh, just hearing the songs sung was a huge difference. Like, everybody actually enjoyed what they were singing. It wasn't painful. And I was like, wow, I, like, I kind of like this. Just don't tell anybody. And then uh, the gospel was preached, and it was very clear, and it was very challenging, uh, and it actually had to do with what the Bible was saying. I was like, hmm, 
this is maybe what it should be like. You know, this is a good idea. Uh, so we got involved. We decided we were going to be here at Integrity for a while. And I can remember uh, just trying to immerse ourselves in everything that we could here. We immediately joined a small group. Uh, not long after that, we, I joined a discipleship uh, group with uh, Kurt Birch. And I remember meeting with him at a McDonald's, and I would share what was going on, my, on my, in my life, and he would challenge me in my legalism, begin to chip away at some of the rough edges that I had. And it took a long time, and God's still working in my life on that. But I'm so thankful. And looking back, it's amazing. You know, God sent somebody from Rocky Mount to come plant a church here, and then God sent someone from Arizona to come meet with me on Mondays in a McDonald's because he cared enough about me to help equip me and to help challenge me and to help grow me and help mature. And that would have never happened had I not stepped into a solid local gospel center church like Integrity. And I'm so thankful for that. He did that through many different ways, not just that one relationship, but through small groups and through things like um, discipleship relationships and just expository preaching. I never heard the word of God preached like it was here. And it was just so valuable to us at the time. We drank it up like we were dying of thirst. Fast forward a few years we were uh, here at Integrity the whole time. The whole time, God was equipping us, and we didn't realize it, but he was. He was building us up. And we decided we were going to go to see a basketball game in D.C. and uh, went up there for the weekend. And unbeknownst to us, our son had gotten extremely sick. He got the uh, H1N1 flu, got put in the hospital. Uh, we just thought he was having an asthma attack. Turned out it was a lot worse than that. Um, you know, I saw him... You have a lot of IVs and stuff t- stuck in them. And, I, you know, we were talking about this last night. I cried like a baby. I'm just going to be honest. Like the, the ER nurse was like, look, man, you're going to have to get a hold of yourself. It's like, I got it. I got it. You know, just trying to hold it together. Uh, anyway, it turns out we were there for an extensive stay. We were there for 13 days. We watched my son uh, crash five times in one day. He was that close to death um, because his lungs had just turned uh, for the worse. And through that, you know, we were five hours away from home. We had some family there, but we saw integrity and the love of Christ extended through the local church to our family, even five hours away. We had people that would come and visit with us. They would just spend time with Josiah. So me and my wife had a chance to grab a shower or to go get a meal. They would come and just play games with him. Our small group uh, did a lot of things for us. They sent things to Washington, D.C., some of them even broke into our house to just clean up and just take care of things for us. Yeah, it was great. Um, if anybody's looking to do that again, it's fine. Um, <laughs> we had people just serve us in so many different ways. And some of those people are still in the service this morning. And we are eternally grateful for that. And we learned to love integrity, not just because we were supposed to, but because we experienced the love of God through them first. And we decided if these people are going to love us in this way, we have no choice but in turn to love them back. And we are so happy to be here. We'll be here forever as long as integrity exists just to love the people and to love them back because they have showed us so much love. All this was made possible because God sovereignly saw fit to lead us into a solid Bible teaching local church. Were it not for that, I'm not sure how we would have progressed through those different situations. And that's just how God worked in my life. The truth is there's probably hundreds of stories like that in this room. Ephesians 4 talks about equipping the saints for different things, equipping the saints to be used in the body of Christ. So what we want to challenge you with this morning is to ask yourself, how is it that you need to be equipped? How is it that you need to challenge yourself? How is it that God needs to change your life so that you can begin to serve the local body? You can get outside of yourself 
and start serving Christ and start loving others. Maybe it's some of you just need to start building relationships. Just stop stepping in and stepping out as soon as the service is over. Maybe it's you need to join a small group. If you're here, you should be in a small group. That is main, one of the main things we do here in Integrity, and they are life-changing. It's changed my life. It's changed our marriage, the way that we parent our children. Small groups are huge. Maybe it's you need to be a member, officially join Integrity, so that you can help us grow and mature others. Maybe it's you need to get in a discipleship relationship. One of these things. Listen, maturity is not a destination like I thought. It is a journey. All of us need to be continuing to mature. So I challenge you this morning that you would find where it is you need to grow, that you would invest in someone else and help them grow at the same time. Our prayer is that through the local body, we would see the love of Christ. We would see the grace of Christ like I saw in my life. And we hope the same thing for you. And we hope that in 2019, all of us in here would pursue that journey together so that we can know Christ more and that we can bring more glory to him. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for your grace. I'm thankful for how, for some reason,